0: Hello, fellow watch lovers, nerds, enthusiasts, or however you identify. This is the 40 and 20 podcast with your hosts, Andrew, and my good friend Everett. Here, we talk about watches, food, drinks, life, and other things we like. Everett, how are you? I'm good, man.
1: Uh, I'm good. I had a f- kind of a fun morning, a, a fun family morning, where we uh, did, we were engaging in a, uh, I guess you'd call it like a self-help family um you know it, it's this strength based like how do I become a better husband better uh parent uh which the first thing I said as we started when we got there they said I I have know, a better how better wife and kids how did you guys get interested <laughs> uh how' did you guys get interested in this and Kim kind of talked about why she was interested we're doing it with another couple and they're friends of ours but they're sort of beta testing their ability to be coaches mm-hmm. and uh Kim talked about wow well, I just you know we like you guys and and I you know listened to the pitch and I thought it was it was interesting, uh, and, and then it came to me and I said, well, I got to be honest with you guys, the idea of this repulses me, and everybody kind of like looked at me for a second and then uncomfortable laughter, and <laughs> and then I said, well, but you know, with that said, uh, I, I know it's sort of it's one of those things that once you get into it's going to be fine. Uh, so yeah, that that was my morning. It, it's it is genuinely one of those things that once you get started. Um it's easier to engage. It's it's much harder for me to engage in that type of thing conceptually. Mm-hmm. Uh, but once I get going, uh you, you know, I, I don't have any trouble talking about my feelings or or whatever. That's not a difficulty for me, which, which I think it is for some people. N- not for me, but that just the idea the, the of first getting step. started. Yeah. Uh I told Kim as we were driving over there. I think I'd been a little agitated, and I was like, you know. This thing just raises my quills. Mm, mm-hmm. The idea of doing something like this uh, triggers some fight or flight, and it makes me ang- anxious and
0: irritated. I can dig that. Yeah. How are you? Good. I went to uh, kid's indoor soccer practice this morning, which was like watching a bunch of four-year-olds with about 60 soccer balls run amok. Did you get arrested again? For being there. Yeah. No, I wore a fake mustache and eyeglasses. Was Mark
1: there at least this time? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah this, okay. Well that was
0: my cover. Okay. That was how I made it work. <laughs> uh so anyway, yeah, I went th- went to that this morning and it was uh it was quite the uh quite the experience. It's definitely something I have never uh never thought I would uh observe or witness. And uh, now that I have, I don't know that I want to again, even as much fun as he has. So I'm gonna have to take him on you know subsequent Saturdays and watch chaos yeah i wish we could lock like padlock that door to the field from the outside sure and then just bounce for like an hour and a half because that was the other thing it was crazy how long it was it was a full 50 minute practice the coach in there is it has patience to the ends of the earth it's crazy she a had youth soccer coach like is eight four-year-olds out there and she just she was just like just chilling hands in her pockets wandering around giving them instructions if they listen they listen if not like fuck okay, whatever you'll be back they're locked in here with me. Like the
1: hardest, most thankless jobs in the world: Red Cross nurse, youth soccer coach.
0: Yeah, it was <laughs> it was awful. And and Sam was like, "Would you want to play indoor soccer?" And I was like, "I don't, I don't think so." Because the problem is, I am sorry, uh, I'm I'm at an awkward level of competitive, in that I have the skill set to be good at a lot of things, but not the inclination. Like I, I have those kind of residual like learned at a youth skill sets that exceed a lot of other folks my age and in practices like that or in sports like that, but just not the desire. Like I am I'm the one who who's gonna go there and like okay, I, I'll go play indoor soccer, but I mostly wanna drink beer. And if that's the case, then I will be on your indoor soccer team. I mean,
1: that's how I approach everything in life. At this point, yeah. I, I'm interested in that as long as
0: I can drink too much alcohol. Yeah, it doesn't have to be too much. As long as I can just have beer while I'm doing it, and if you're not, if you're going to take it too seriously, I don't want to be involved. Yeah, because this I'll, is a game.
1: I'll take this job with that compensation package if I'm allowed to drink too much alcohol. Yeah. at work and work when I feel like it. <laughs> <laughs> well, uh, uh, you, you know, I want to know more about how you're doing, but it's not important right now. But it's not important right now because in the wings. In the wings, we've got uh we've got someone on the we've got someone on the line and and, mm-hmm. and I feel like I, I we always do this right we we lead up to this we we lead up to this as if the we audience it as if they haven't read the title of the episode <laughs> so you already know yeah you already know <laughs> that uh on the line today uh we've got we've got Dan Clayton uh a man of many of many names of many uh non diplumes uh m- <laughs> most recently on Instagram timely moments. Uh, but, uh, Dan is, is famous, famous, I would say in the uh, watch world, I'll uh, accept famous, you per- should accept famous too, Dan, perhaps yeah. notorious. Uh, Dan <laughs> is, I would say in terms of watch fam, engaged watch fam, one of the single, uh, most knowledgeable experts on military watches. And, and he's taken that knowledge. He's been, uh, on Bellingham podcast. He's been on, um, two broke watch snobs. Uh, I'm sure I'm missing uh, other podcasts, but uh, someone who's just universally known for knowing his shit when it comes to military watches. Dan, how are you?
2: I'm good. How are you guys? Thanks for having me on and uh, happy new year as well.
1: Yeah, happy new year to you as well, and, and thanks for coming on. Yeah. Thanks for coming on. No, yeah,
2: thank you, thank you for having me. Um, that was quite an introduction, though, guys. I'm, I'm gonna have to, you know, try and live up to that now, aren't I? You know, no pressure.
3: So.
1: <laughs> you you know, being a military man, you're you're used to sort of the way we do. You know, when you get an award, they or or you you know you get promoted or something, they go back through this. You know, well, oh, Dan did this and they did this, and, and you know, or or. Uh, he served in this in this place and, and did this job uh you mostly just want it to end uh, you mostly want it to end so uh
2: yeah you, yeah you you stop you stop listening to the spiel don't you and then yeah. you forget what you need to do which is yeah. uh, or uh the spiel is so in-depth you sit down and kind of go Oh, did I actually do that? I can't remember. (laughs) That can't be real. That wasn't me. (laughs) Yeah, that wasn't me, guys, but I'll take it, you know what I mean? That is a really
1: nice way to say that thing, uh, even though that's not how I remember it. Uh, So, Dan, can you just uh, take uh, maybe 30 seconds and introduce yourself, who you are, what you do, uh, how you got here today with us?
2: Okay, so, yeah, uh, obviously my name's Dan. Um, How I got into the whole watch collecting side of it was after I joined the military. Um because I needed to wear a watch. And then obviously as you've obviously alluded to, I got quite deep into the hobby and then started reaching out across um the watch fam, as it were, to get further information. Uh and obviously through reaching out, built up different connections around the watch fam. And obviously that led us uh to where we are today, because obviously we've got mutual friends through um AJ over at the Bellingham Podcast. So mm-hmm. that's that's us in a nutshell, isn't it, really?
1: I, I think that's, I think that's right. You know, I, you, uh, I think partially cringed on the word watch fam. Uh, and, and I do the same, same thing, although it's a word we use pretty. You use. Yeah. 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 That's right. You don't use that word. No. Do you? <laughs> uh, I, I think it's, it's, uh, I think it's a word that has value even to the extent I find it a bit cringy, right? Because there's this idea that there's a community here uh and and it's this bizarre community you know m- m- like many internet communities are right where yeah i've, I've i i kind of knew what you look like you know you've got an instagram and occasionally you're you're on that instagram and so i i had an idea but here's this person that i feel like i know better than certainly i do know him uh because i don't we don't know each other all that well but no. it's this very familiar like there's zero discomfort i know what you're going to sound like. I know the things you're going to talk about. So, I think that watch fam is silly a, a word as it is. It's a hashtag ready, you know, phrase, right? Uh Yeah, of course. As as silly as that may sound, I think that it is powerful in that it gives us it gives us something to describe uh who we are. How I know Dan because in reality I don't know Dan,
0: but uh it gives us a way to describe our relationship. You are going to have to not look at me when you're talking. As because my audio to. goes audio to, uh, bouncing back and forth. Okay.
2: <sighs> he just wanted to look in your eyes. I don't blame mean. him because I have these yeah.
0: really, really just deep, endless eyes. That, Beautiful. <laughs> uh, that, you know, I. Mesmerizing. I'm, exactly. They just pull people in. They're like a tractor beam. Yeah. Um, yeah. yeah. I just um, want to make sure that your audio is not coming in and out.
3: Cool.
2: Um, No, I I, I know what you mean by cringing at the whole watch fan thing. But um, another point, which is quite interesting, you know, you guys obviously reserve armed forces and obviously I'm currently serving um, in the regulars, obviously. And I find as well that when you meet people within this watch community, as it were, um, you bond over the whole watch thing. uh, And then obviously if you have one other thing that you've got in common, it's a lot easier to break down those um those barriers as it were isn't it and kind of you know get along and communicate and all that kind of stuff so i think the military thing also has a benefit here mm-hmm. as well and like mm-hmm. quite obviously my experience with the watch fan especially you know day-to-day slash in real life as it were and you know not on over you know the internet as it were uh, or instagram i prefer um, the phrase I- IRL. IRL. <laughs> yeah <There> yeah <you> <laughs> See I, I wouldn't have used that because I'm not hip and down with a kid, so I would never, <laughs> never have known. But um, you know I've got some good friends in in the military who are also into the whole watch thing and you know you bond over both of them, and I think that's quite a good thing. So That's yeah. from my experience anyway.
0: Two things is common is more better. In common is more better than one thing in common. Yeah, and definitely. when you're in the military, you, you basically have to live together. so if you can find any other component of your life, any other uh, variable that you share in common, it's way more mm. better. Yeah, because yeah, military yeah. can be super isolating.
2: Yeah, yeah, yeah it definitely can.
1: You, you know, uh, A- Andrew and I are our friend's from before watches uh uh you know bw as we refer to that period of time uh we've never we've never referred to it that way we're just
0: creating hashtags (laughs) that's our that's the episode is creating hashtags with dan c you you know
1: so our our connections are our our connection is uh one of friends first and then i kind of browbeat andrew into becoming a a watch person and 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 that's fine uh right but the idea that the relationships we've made relationships you know certain certainly with aj um you know with other people in the community um you know people that I, i've never even spoken to right you know or or we talk to emg yeah. quite a quite a bit and a- a- eric is someone that we've had on the show and you know these are guys that have this successful business uh, who have uh, according to Eric, and maybe this has changed, but the last time we discussed this topic with him, had never even talked to each other yeah on the phone, Derek, Eric, and Ed have perhaps still today never to- talk to each other on the phone, you know, so there's this uh, the internet does a thing here, and, and our ability to mutually engage in a topic is is super interesting, but yes yeah. that's, that's kind yeah. of an aside i don't think we we planned on talking about that, but that's whatever it's our show it's our show. It's our show. So uh, speaking of it's our show, uh, normally when we have guests on, we say, "Hey guest, uh, we've got some questions for you, and we're we're going to um, we're, we're gonna dictate those questions and, and move through this thing at our pace." However, Dan,
2: you oh you mi- you're mixing up are you? <laughs> yeah you're getting the special treatment <laughs> you oh, fantastic.
1: Uh, uh you uh have sent us a, a, an agenda i would say i would call it an agenda and and okay. i'm inclined to let you lead this conversation a little bit generally speaking we we don't really have any goals today i, I think you might mm-hmm. have some goals and, and and to that end uh do you want to take off take take the lead here
2: yeah, I mean, what do, you, what do you want to start with? You know, you've seen the agenda, as it were, you know, the notes that, you know, I I've, I've put together when we obviously were planning out this episode. So what do you what, what part do you want to start with?
1: You, you know, I think that w- we can move into some specific stuff later. I think it would be a, a pretty neat starting point to get uh, your unique perspective because you've got some very uh, peculiar and particular insight. But that's uh, been uh raised and nurtured by your connection to watches. So you've got some specific watch background. And um I, I think it would be super interesting for folks to learn more about that, who you are and and how you how you got into watches specifically and what your experience there is.
2: Okay. So, you know, I've alluded, you know, I mean, this, yeah. So I uh, obviously joined the military, and that's obviously our, you know, other factor between us three, you know, that uh, links us, you know, in commonality. Um, so when I joined up, I got into the whole watch thing because obviously I googled what watch to take with me through training, um, and obviously when I googled that, I came back with loads of different returns, you know, hundreds of thousands of returns, um, and then the majority of them came out to be um articles about vintage military watches Mm -hmm. you know i didn't take a vintage military watch to um obviously basic training and you know trade training and all that kind of stuff but it was something i kept my eye on because also the other thing that i'm interested in is is the whole military history side of it and i think when you join up you you do get indoctrinalized you get a bit institutionalized as well into some of the history of obviously the organization that you join so for me I liked the idea of collecting these watches because it kind of brought the history mm-hmm. of, you know, some of the, the battles and the battle honors that you hear about and you learn about going through training almost to life, you know. It gives you a little totem to kind of say actually that potentially could have been at that location because it was made in a specific time and you know we've got accounts to say that this was you know the kind of stuff that these you know soldiers sailors and used. So I guess that's what got me into it was the idea of combining this history with something something tangible, um which you know is quite cool to collect. But then mm-hmm. also the fact that I could use it as well you know, with different, different degrees of accuracy, because let's face it, some of these watches are almost 80 years old, um, but I could still use them, I could enjoy them, and impart a little bit of my own story onto them as well. So that idea mm-hmm. for me was kind of what got me into it. My initial collection started with, you know, the the general service watches to the British Army, and that's really what I started with. I wanted to collect those, because again, I like the idea that, you know, my forebears, as it were, could have potentially been issued that watch you know and they were probably in very similar situations that I have found myself in in my own career today you know and that to me is quite a cool little niche thing that I enjoy and then after that it just kind of expanded you know I'd I'd, you know buy, you know I'd, I'd do some research on a different conflict and find out the kind of watches that were used in those conflicts. And then obviously I would then research those, those watches to death as it were. And then rabbit hole. Yeah, exactly that. You know, you go down the rabbit hole and you start finding things that you're, Oh, that's really cool. I never thought I'd find that. Uh, And then you go on eBay, you go on forums, you go on uh, Facebook groups and all that kind of stuff to try and find either information, but also people who are willing to sell them or people who are already selling them because, you know, it'd be quite cool to have within your own collection. And that's kind of where it, where it you know kind of escalated for me as it were.
0: What was the hardest watch that you have right now to hunt down?
2: Okay, so the hardest singular watch is my Roma watch from the Rhodesian War. Okay. Why was so, it so
0: hard to hunt down?
2: So, firstly, there's not many of them uh, known to collectors, um, like or within the collecting space. I think about there's probably about 250 of them known to collectors um that Mm -hmm. survived the war that's obviously that's known to collectors that's not to say there's thousands of these things that are potentially in people's attics Mm -hmm. um but i found one on a auction site uh, which is specializes in watches as well. So this was obviously a, a legitimate vintage watch auction site that only specializes in, in obviously, watch auctions and high-end jewelry. Um, and I found it, I actually initially missed the auction itself, so it ended, uh, and I just decided to email um, the company and just say, look, I noticed in your um, publish, because they published the results obviously of, of the auctions of what lots sold and what ones didn't, uh, the watch didn't sell. So for whatever reason, it didn't sell. Uh, maybe it just wasn't the flavor of the month. And I yeah. just sent them an email and said, look, if the seller is willing to, to still go through with a transaction, I'm willing to buy it. And it was just through luck that the seller was willing to, to sell it. So, um, And we went through that company as, a, as the mediator because it was on their website. Um, unfortunately for me, I also got to pay the minimum reserve on it as well because it was uh, it was a lot that I hadn't sold, so it could sure. only legally be sold in England for its uh, minimum reserve. So. And,
1: and so, and so, you know, Andrew and I obviously know exactly what a Romer watch is, <laughs> but for those listening who don't, um, can you can you tell us what that is? And, and also, uh, I'll caveat that to say, Andrew and I have no clue what you're talking about.
2: <laughs> Fantastic. <laughs> so, uh, Aroma watch is just a mechanical um mechanical uh that's about 36 mil watch it kind of looks like um the hamilton w10 watches it's got like yeah. kind of weird oval case shape um on it uh I and mean, it's just got arabic markers so there's really nothing special about it whatsoever other than the fact that it has obviously the rhodesian engraving markers on the back of it to prove that it was a military issued watch um and unlike other watches that you would have seen that obviously have been stamped in from the manufacturer, these watches were actually um, initially bought sterile. So they had no issue case back markings whatsoever. The only time these watches got um, the issue markings were once they got to the Rhodesian army and they got an individual to actually get a Dremel tool and Dremel a Rhodesian issue number in the back of the case. So
1: Fantastic. And so these are made by Romer.
2: Yes, they are.
1: And Romer is uh, is an English company.
2: It's a Swiss company. Okay. From, yeah, it's a Swiss company. I don't know if they're still in production. I think they're predominantly um, vintage now. And, you know, I don't think they're really doing much. And if they are doing something, they're very, you know, they'll be quite fairly low end. I mean, that, or they were absorbed by Swatch Group and probably in the, in the, in the, uh, uh, Quartz crisis and all that kind of stuff. Sure, but um, I can't um, I can't tell you because I've never actually looked for the uh, the modern equivalents, as it were. And you have
0: just Sorry. looked for that that watch specifically. That was the one. Uh, what what brought you? What drew you to that watch specifically?
2: Um, okay, so yeah, so I only looked for that one watch, uh, and the only reason that I drew from that uh, search for it specifically was because when I went through training, I met a Officer in the British Army who was ex- Rhodesian special Forces. So
3: okay.
2: uh, back in the like I said back in the hey, the heyday, the end of the British Empire, as it were, Rhodesia was a British colony. Mm-hmm. Um, and obviously what happened happened, you know we won't go into too much detail if, if obviously the audience want to go and research that they can. Um, and there's obviously loads of accounts of the Rhodesian War the um or the bush wars as they became known as um so when he finished his time serving with the rhodesian army he transferred his commission into the british army and he um was a captain in the british army when we met him so and he just like I said a part of his role was to you know basically talk to us about his experience so fantastic that's what it was again it was It was one of those, wasn't it, where you meet someone who's fairly interesting, you go and research what they went through, and then you find out that there's also a watch that you can find. So that's what it was.
0: And you want a piece (laughs) of that history to be able to wear and enjoy. Yeah. Yeah.
3: I can do that.
2: um, And what was quite cool was um, I bought that watch probably 2016 at the time. um, And then... I was overseas, as you guys know, through obviously um, the other podcasts. And, you know, AJ referring to me as Dan in Cyprus. So I was right. obviously walking over there. Um, when I returned from Cyprus back to the UK, I came back for a course, a long course to obviously get a different qualification within the military. That captain, because uh, he was a rank of the captain, uh, he was serving at the camp that I was doing the training at. And I went to his office, had a cup of tea with him in a meeting. And I pulled the watch out and said, do you remember these? Um, and he did. So that was quite a cool kind of you know all round circle um, cool. of him telling me about the watch, me going off researching it, finding one, and then bringing one back and saying, "Look, look what I found." And,
1: and now in the is this uh, in the Rhodesian Army is a captain? Um, is that the same rank that we would refer to as a captain? That's a third the third yes. level of officer. Yeah. So yes, we, sure. that's the level both Andrew and I are. And and you're okay. you're a captain as well, right?
2: I'm not. No. What, <laughs> what, what's your rank? I'm, I'm a corporal.
1: Oh, so you're enlisted. Yes, I am. Yes. So you actually work.
2: Yes, I actually work.
1: Yeah, we um, don't work. I like, uh, well,
2: apparently work. Um, I think um, a lot of the stuff that we do is pretending to work and getting away with it. That's, that's, that's the goal. That's, that's, that's the goal, isn't it? Is, so we're in the it, same
1: boat. Right. That yeah. is the service.
2: Yeah. Yeah, that is it, isn't it? It's the having the appearance that you're busy without mm-hmm. being too busy. A <laughs> the guy then, used to work
0: for me. He He would have his computer turned off. And he would just type okay. on his keyboard, and his is, his computer would be facing the wall. You'd think he was just <laughs> plugging away, and he's he's really working on a on a turned off computer.
2: It is genius. Is, he could spend that is, all day doing this. This is your first sergeant, right? He, he, no, yeah, yeah. He, <laughs> he is that promote that man because he is going far. Yeah, you yeah know he mean? is going places. <laughs> yeah,
1: fantastic. Well, uh, so uh, I, I I would like to know a little bit more. You actually are uh, involved with a couple of of manufacturers and companies uh in in the by way of their development of their pieces um and i'm fascinated by this idea i mean a how you got there and i think that that the answer will probably not surprise any of us but i don't know the answer so why don't you tell us the answer and then tell us what that work what that looks like for you
2: so when you mean development of the watches, is this going back to the Bremont thing?
1: Well, you, yes. Yes. So, so yes. Bremont, Bremont and then and then also uh, there, there's uh, uh, other companies that you've spent uh, sort of development time with too, right?
2: Yeah, I guess so, loosely. Um, okay, so the Bremont thing will start there. Um, so that was the first kind of... Uh, foray as it were into being a little bit more active than just buying watches and you know uh, googling them um, effectively I was lucky in my last unit to be um, surround you know be surrounded by other guys who are into watches um, but also be exposed to the bramont military special projects as it were so effectively as we know bramont will commission a watch to commemorate your trade your squadron your unit um and the what the unit I was at at the time um there was quite a big mix of people who would kind of you know shuffle in and out for their various rotations and obviously on their wrist some of them had those watches and you know you you, you know you talk to them about it when they're in the bar and all that kind of stuff and you get to have a look at them and see what they are and I just decided you know I tell you what, that's. Uh, that's a little bit of me that, you know, um, (laughs) I'm already a watch nerd. I'm already looking at this kind of stuff, you know, let's, instead of just buying a watch that's got a story, let's buy a watch that's personal to me. Um, and that's what I went down and did. So I emailed Ramon, started that two way engagement. And then seven months down the line, um, I had a watch delivered, you know, which was obviously the first one of the project that I'm, I'm heading up and I'm quite happy to say it's still a live project with them. And, um, you know that's pretty cool so um, we did that which was the first kind of foray into that kind of stuff where I had a bit more of an active involvement and then out the back of that um, I've obviously been um, on other podcasts and spoken about that and through that a couple of other companies reached out to me and started again another dialogue just about you know military watches in general but also kind of what i thought of certain complications so for example we we have spoken um before we recorded uh about Sangin instruments obviously we know that they're out of california out of the back of the two broke watch some podcast um jake reached out to me he said he enjoyed the podcast obviously we bonded on the fact that we're both military or in his case obviously uh, retired military and obviously he showed me what he was developing and then he asked me a few questions on certain things that, you know, I, you know, would I agree would be a good complication or a good you know thing to put into his watches. And I guess that in a way helped uh, develop some of his models, you know, cause obviously he's, you know, constantly asking for feedback or ideas generated from the kind of community that he wants his watches to go to. So mm-hmm. I guess loosely in that regard, I helped you know, at least tailor some of the ideas of what may be handy on a watch. Um, Mm -hmm. one of them being my thoughts on dual, dual time watches, you know, and how would it be best to represent that? Would it be, you know, a, a dual time bezel, would that be handy or would you go and have a full GMT movement and, you know, the pros and cons of that kind of stuff? Um, and then the other company that I've done a, f- a little bit of photography for as it were, and kind of pushed them on the social media side was uh vertex watches mm-hmm. um, and obviously, I got sent one of their press pieces uh for a period of time uh and just got told to enjoy it effectively really enjoy it, take photos, and then obviously um push it on social media and that's what I did mm-hmm. so I guess that's loosely some watch development through through this hobby so there
1: you go but you know it's the kind of thing that for uh i think the average uh the average watch guy or gal um it, it's the kind of thing that uh is probably not uh is probably not afforded to us as, a, as an opportunity right you know a- andrew and i have had some opportunities to engage with some manufacturers on on what they're doing you know with their mm-hmm. product and that's been really exciting. In fact, I think for me, that's been the most satisfying part of this thing besides just sort of getting to know people. Um, but that that relationship that you're able to form and that and that ability to have sort of uh, a connection to a manufacturer and, and a connection to a certain watch piece. You know, we interviewed these guys from Notice uh, last week, Wes and Cullen, who are just uh, both fantastic guys um, in, in their own rights, but also in, in terms of what they're doing with watches and what they're doing with their brand uh you, you know I, I think that maybe no no one else sort of making watches right now that's quite as engaged and involved as them at, at in, in terms of the brands we're we're sort of stoked on so really fun but then to have them um be really sort of uh, effusive with their um you, you know Uh, ideas about about how how perhaps we were part of that you know you know i would be uh, i would be loath to expand on that idea you know but they talked about well we were listening to your skin diver episode and that really got us thinking and we want to thank you you know we didn't do anything obviously no I just complained in a
0: basement bedroom drinking beer right
2: (laughs) yeah but the thing is it's funny isn't it how you um, ideas can flow when the alcohol is flowing and all of a sudden you know other people will will listen to it for whatever reason and I guess that's how you may or may not have, you know, in in you know, in that situation, influenced their decision to, you know, produce a watch in a certain way, you know, and I think that's quite cool. It, it's uh, pretty. It's a pretty neat opportunity. Yeah, yeah
1: it is. It, it's a pretty neat opportunity, and for us, it's neat to hear about it. Uh, so, yeah. so you've talked about, you know, uh, I've heard you talk about, and you've talked to me directly about some of your key watch moments, you you know, moments in your life that really sort of solidified your uh engagement in the hobby or perhaps solidified the the route your collection has taken mm. uh we, we've talked a little bit about um your, your involvement with bremont and, and yeah and sangen and then vertex but uh, there's also a, a seiko sog uh or sog oh, yeah. uh that i've heard you talk about a number of times I, can you just can you just tell us a little bit about the seiko sog what what that meant to you how you found it
2: yeah yeah that's fine so um um i i I initially I'd, I'd heard of these years ago, actually, to be honest, before I even got into watches properly. And um, there's a, a, a couple of friends of mine who collect military, uh, military stuff in general. Um, and their focus is of, on the Vietnam War. I think they just find it really interesting. Um, so obviously I know them very well. Um, when I'll be on a period of leave or, you know, you know, uh, seeing family, obviously I'd go down and see them and um and we just talk military stuff, you know, as you would do over a beer and just, you know, general kind of interests. And through that group of people, I found out obviously about what MACV SOG were. Uh, and obviously for the listeners out there who don't know, they were the American Special Forces who conducted um, special operations um, during the Vietnam War. Uh, the majority of those operations being not in Vietnam for right or wrong reasons. <laughs> right. You know, we were not against that, <laughs> but, you know, effectively they did cross-border long-range patrols into the jungle um not in vietnam um and the need for those guys in terms of their watches was that they had to have sterile watches so you know they went to um in this case seiko and obviously the story is um that they initially asked for rolex watches because as as we know the uh, because we know the special, the special Forces have a bigger budget than everyone else. Give me so, that Rolex. Yeah, yeah. yeah, give me that Rolex, because we know that you're going to buy us the best equipment. And obviously, that's what they asked for. Uh, the procurement manager, as it were at the time, a guy called Ben Baker, um, he listened to them initially, effectively. Um, however, he went out and visited the soldiers in Vietnam, sp- conducting those operations, and said, right, actually, I, I can see you've asked for Rolex. But you're probably not going to get them, even though we've got the big, You've got the biggest budget because they are X amount of dollars per unit. Um, what else? You know, what substitute, as it were, would be a happy medium? Because obviously we still want to give you stuff, but we can't give you a hundred hundreds of dollars worth of watch per man. And when he visited them, he noticed that the guys were already wearing Seiko watches,
3: mm-hmm. and he
2: went, right, why do you wear those? Uh, And the answer was because it was robust, because it was shockproof, because it was um, it glowed in the dark. You know, it was waterproof. All of those things fundamentally were the same reasons why they wanted Rolexes. They just wanted Rolexes because they were being necky, you know, and they they knew that they could get the best equipment.
0: And they were going to take them Uh, home when they were done.
2: And that is exactly it. You know, Um, however, um, he turned around and said, right, well, you're already wearing Seiko. So I'm going to go knock on Seiko's door and see what we can do. Um, and it's actually written down. I'll have to send you a link to this podcast, uh, not podcast, a uh, PDF, because it's interesting to read it alone. Um, those SoCo watches he bought, obviously under that contract direct from Soko for $8 each. Jeez. So I don't
3: add, know if add I... On should... some, add
2: on some inflation now, and you see how much these things are going for. It's insane, mm-hmm. you know?
1: And so you've actually procured a number of these, right?
2: Yes. So um, from the people I have spoken to, um, I am apparently the only person in U- in UK, um, maybe even Europe who has all three,
0: all three, you could be the only person in the world who has all three.
2: Um, I would like to, you know, to, you know, take that, but I can't because, uh, you guys know of that, um, Spencer Klein. Yeah.
3: Yeah. Yep. Mm-hmm.
2: Yeah, yeah. Yeah. He's had all three at one point point or another, cause obviously he was the one who wrote Oh, say, wrote. He was the one who did a video on them mm. all three together, outlining the histories, the years, and all that kind of stuff. Um, which actually was a fantastic bit of re, uh, reference material to try and find them as I was looking for them as well. So,
0: so this is a perfect segue uh, to one of the questions that I really wanted to ask: is what? What are? I'd like to get some instruction from you, as a yeah. person who has. A medium to okay understanding of military watches and of vintage yeah. military watches. I want you can, to walk... Can we
1: say? Can we say better than medium to okay?
2: I'm I'm say medium to okay. Into okay because if I you know can't can't go too high can we I mean all,
0: I have a medium to okay
2: Oh, All right yeah yeah, yeah. Oh, so medium. so for him uh, who's medium. an expert yeah, to, to give so us I'm a
0: medium to okay yes, knowledge understood. No you oh, have okay. an excellent yeah. knowledge so I would I, like
2: I would ta- I would say that I'm medium to okay as well And oh, we're shit. idiots I don't want that No 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 you're an expert <laughs> I'm
0: medium to okay that's the world I'm okay living okay. in right now uh, so I am a person with a medium to okay knowledge of military watches to to vintage watches I'd like yep. to get some education from you on getting into that world, what kinds of watches okay. should I be looking for when I'm when I'm perusing uh, eBay or any other kind of forums that sell watches? Yeah. What do I need to keep my eyes peeled for? How do I get into this uh, category of watch collection Collecting, and how do I, <laughs> and how do I do it not like an asshole?
2: Okay, no, that's fine. I'll uh, kind of wrap my brain and see see what we come up with. So, firstly, I guess. The big thing, and this is with all watches, isn't it, is don't go over your budget because obviously there is a lot of guys out there who will buy a really expensive watch just because, oh, you know, it's been written up to be the the one, you know. So I think firstly obviously do your research, um, but also put some parameters onto it. So for example, when I started with a whole military watch thing, there's hundreds, if not thousands, of different versions on there. You know, you've got divers, you've got chronographs, you've got Mm -hmm. Your, your triple your three handers all of that kind of stuff you got you know all these different watches for different uses it's finding a watch that you would i guess have an affinity to you know what mm-hmm. i mean so obviously i went for the ones that potentially could have been issued to someone in my position before you know or finding one that's linked to either a hobby or an interest you know what i mean and kind of sticking within that because if not you can like you said you know you can be here for days you know even months just researching um and obviously when you add in a complication, these watches get more expensive. Mm -hmm. So my experience, I'd actually say that, um, stick to your budget, so set a budget, and then also set what complication you want to buy. So for example, if you want to buy a diver, and you will stop at nothing to buy a a vintage military diver, then only look at military divers. Don't start looking at chronographs halfway through, because all of a sudden, you'll start finding all these other things, and like I said, that's how your costs, build up on, on this hobby. Mm-hmm. So I would say, yeah. <laughs> as I, your I, universe I think, expands, so does yeah, your budget. I know yeah, I know, and I know that's obviously the same, in, that's, that's obviously across watch collecting as a whole.
3: Sure.
2: Um, but I think the problem is with military watches is because they are so prevalent in certain cases, mm-hmm. um, it can obviously it spiral out of control a lot faster. And then also, I'd also say that because the military watch trend has been an increase hasn't it? in the last few years, maybe yeah. even four or five years. Yeah. Sellers know now what they can get away with. So they can turn around and say, "Right, actually this watch, just because it's got an issue date on the back, which relates to a famous war,
3: mm-hmm. they'll
2: play on that issue date. So for example, um, if you look at any Hamilton watch, that's American issued. So those GW one, or whatever. I, I think it's one, one threes. Um, If you look at them and they've got like a 1965 to 1970s issue date, the seller will go, yes, this went to Vietnam. Obviously. You don't know that. Yeah. (laughs) They don't know that. Right. You know, it's just been produced in the year that the Vietnam War was being conducted. Mm -hmm. You know, it's the same for the British watches. So if you look at the British watches on the back, you'll tend to have 1980s, a big year. Um, for British-issued watches because it was the first year that the British Army got a quartz watch. Before that, they were all mechanical, hand-wound watches or automatics. Mm -hmm. So the quartz crisis came in, the British Army just, you know, quartz became more accessible Mm -hmm. as a contract, you know, because obviously there was a period of time where, you know, quartz watches effectively your F91 Ws were more expensive than Speedmasters, which is outrageous. I want to go back to that time where yeah. I can buy a Speedmaster for less than a F ninety one.
3: Yeah.
2: Uh you know, um, but that's what happened. This the changeover was in the in the 80s with quartz to the British Army and people play on it. So the watches that were issued or as they issued, produced with an issue date of 1982. For the British army, we went to war in the Falklands. So sellers will say this watch as worn in the Falklands. Well, no, it didn't happen like that. Right. So I think it's what you have to look at. You have to be careful firstly with that kind of stuff, you know, um, so they're like my caveats. But mm-hmm. um, in terms of watches themselves, I've got, I've noted down a few which I would say in different price points would be good ones, you know, or good examples for obviously the audience to go out and look for. Mm-hmm. So. World War II, If you're going to go and get a World War Two issued watch, um, people always go for the dirty dozen, don't they? Right, of course. Face, yeah. you know, if she
0: doesn't.
2: They, we know that they've got they've got an investment value and they're good watches. You know, there's no denying it. They're good watches for for the time, and you know, they're nice watches even today, especially in good examples and good condition. But they can. Some of them can run into the thousands of pounds. You mm-hmm. know what I mean? And that's insane for one watch. Um, that's a heavy watch. Whereas if you went and bought the ATP watch, which was the predecessor versions of the, the dirty dozen, you're still getting all that heritage. You're getting a good watch and a vintage military watch at maybe a third of the price. Really? sure. You know what I mean? And I, yeah. so it's about being a, an informed consumer. You know what I mean? Like, do you mm-hmm. research.
1: You You know, uh, I think that that's sort of the, that's sort of the backbone of Andrew and I's, um, not just watch collecting, but sort of our very beings is <clears throat> how can we get into this thing, whatever the thing may be uh, in a way that's thoughtful and effective, but also practical and, and efficient, w- w- efficient with our, with our budgets. A- and I suspect, I suspect that the, that that concept, that budget efficiency uh, concept is perhaps more than any one thing the thing that that ties people who listen to our show versus, uh, Warren and wound podcast, or or even even someone like uh, Scottish watches or ten and two, you, you know, the folks that listen to our podcast and say I really like that podcast. It, it's you know, people will say, oh well, I like the fact that you guys. Uh, are relaxed or that it's like sitting down and drinking a beer i don't think that that is the main glue i think that the main glue for what what we'd like to do and what we'd like to provide people is this idea that you can do this hobby you can do this hobby without uh without shucking out uh a thousand, two thousand, College three tuition. thousand dollars yeah. per piece, uh, uh-huh. and, and and you know that develops for both of us. I think it's it's developed in a certain way, and I think for each individual collector, you know, you you make you some you hit that inflection point, uh, yeah, and, and you either do or you don't. But um, you you know, we have some listeners that that have been with us from the beginning that are very very motivated to find the best two hundred dollar watches. And and that transcends their collection in, in time, whereas some people start with the hundred and fifty or or you know perhaps the um, the SNK right the yeah, SNK. Yeah. So many people start with the SNK, and, and then before you know it, they're buying um, you, you know Halios, and, and then and the next is Christopher Ward, and then yeah, and then they're like, gosh, I have really been dying to get. An explorer on my wrist right yeah which yeah, yeah. which i believe perhaps you're you're wearing today right
2: yeah so yeah today i've got yeah my, my Rolex explorer um and again you know I, I i i like the aesthetics of the watch i like the history of it it ties in with my hobbies so i'm obviously you guys know from following me and engaging previously i'm also a mountaineer and rock climber right i like i like the connection to the whole mountains the whole everest piece with that watch you know but it wasn't an easy purchase you know that's a lot of money to put down onto a watch you yeah know what i mean yeah sit there and kind of go actually guys is this is this hype you know does you know is it is it this rolex hype that everyone likes or is it am i buying this because i actually like the story behind it and i'll have a use for it you know fortunately for me i was in a good position where i could afford to go in and do that you know but i would yeah it's just one of those isn't it like buy buy within your constraints and yeah. don't don't give into i guess the whole hype stuff which surrounds certain watches and the problem is is that sellers especially vintage watch sellers dealers or whatever especially you know in in my experience with the military watch side of it like i said they'll push and they'll push to try and get it and be like oh but you want a piece of this history yeah, you know what I mean, and, above.
1: and And I want, I want the margin from your and, desire to have a piece of that history.
2: Yeah, and exactly that. And then they're like, yeah. you can have this history, but you can have this history if you're willing to pay X amount for it.
1: Now, Dan, uh, I, I think that's a fantastic place for us to transition, uh, because because you know w- we. We want to be respectful to our listeners, and, and and also we're we're bloody damn curious ourselves. Did you? Say, I've never said bloody in my life. <laughs>
3: nope,
2: it's not no. an American phrase. Turn it, of it, a, it's um, not. American so
1: practice. that's that's all you. have it's, it's influenced it's me.
2: It's your inner, inner, ang, um, inner um, anglophile. That's I mean, uh, right. that's right. Before no, you know it, you, I'm gonna have Britain.
0: a yeah. I'm gonna have a full accent and gross.
3: <laughs> <laughs> So Not that uh, the
0: accent's gross, but hearing it out of your mouth would be awful. Fuck off. <laughs> it would be just miserable. <laughs> so, uh what can maybe we can
1: transition now into so if I'm a guy who collects uh say 200, 300, 500 or $1000 watches in that range, w- what pieces if I want if I want something with um sort of no shit uh, bona fides, uh hmm. military bona fides within a budget that is that is more sort of efficient and uh dare I say grounded uh, cuz yeah. I don't know that that's that's to, I don't mean to put a pejorative on the more expensive watches right but we've talked about uh Bremont and 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 I say Bremont but I think you say Bremont which yeah, is Yeah I say
2: Bremont but it's actually it is actually Bremont and you don't. It's a
1: silent T. So we're we're actually, we're all fucked up. Yeah, we're
2: all wrong. We're all wrong.
1: But we've fine. talked about Bramont uh, and we've talked about Sangin and we've talked about Vertex, and and, and you know m- maybe some of these more expensive, uh, certainly not expensive, but but uh, it's a bite of money. You know, if I yeah. wanna, if I want a three hundred perhaps or a five hundred dollar mm-hmm. uh, legitimate uh, military watch, wh- where should I be looking, and how do I get there?
2: Yeah. Uh, Firstly, we've obviously looked at the whole vintage piece. So um, let's look at some actual modern ones where people can just go on the Internet and effectively buy them and have them delivered tomorrow. Um, So if you're looking sub $500, you know, a good watch would be the Marathon Navigator Mm -hmm. as a good example. You know, it's it is uh, a company that obviously supplies to the Canadian and the American forces, you know, know, some legitimacy there. It's a good, solid watch um you know i mean i'm just looking at some of the specs on it now so it's roughly 42 millimeters it's 20 mil uh, lug width so you can obviously change your strap out really easily um it's got a quartz movement it's got end of life on it uh and it's what's really cool i think the coolest part of it is the fact that it's got your gtls um tritium tubes Mm. you know those get gas tritium tubes sure so it just glows you know and it's it's a really good watch and last i checked online there were 250 pounds you know what i mean
0: i so i tried to buy one of those through the uh mm-hmm. through the army supply system and it uh yeah. it got denied did uh, it it did uh, and in fairness i was trying to buy it for me just to see if that would work I and it, oh, didn't, okay. it didn't work that's
2: yeah. a shame yeah that's a shame because i think because yeah. uh,
0: i can order it offline and that's not yeah. a problem but i would have rather had it come to me through the army supply system you, you try I mean you you're not talking about a fees you're talking about actually yeah no through like the
2: yeah, actually getting it issued to you yeah I tried that it yeah, didn't work okay.
0: it didn't
1: work yeah the,
2: well those procurement I assholes tra-
0: yeah.
2: I, exactly I mean I tried to get issued so um I the current issued watch general service watch to the British army is uh, a pulsar actually. okay um, and it's made famous by Uh, I mean, we have to bring him up now, I guess, and he's probably not very popular in Britain right now, but Prince Harry. So Mm -hmm. Prince Harry is famous for wearing the the Pulsar G10. That watch you can buy on eBay anywhere from like 90 quid in rougher condition right through to 150 quid in good condition and, you know, straps and stuff. Um, But I tried to get that issued to me, again, a bit like, obviously, how you tried to get the Navigator issued for me, uh, to yourself, and it did not work. Like, to get hold of one of those issued to you is like, you know, finding an honest man in Parliament. It's not going to
1: happen. <laughs> well, uh, you know, I, I, I don't mean to, to have a little bit of a side, but I'd be interested to hear your perspective on this. I, I think Andrew and I basically share the same perspective, which is that when people... Uh, there's this thing that happens online when talk, people talk about uh, military watches. And, and you yeah. know, I, I've never heard Kaz from Two Broke Watchdogs, talk about this topic specifically, but he he refers often to the watch neckbeard, uh, who's a character that mm-hmm. that he is is sort of famous. Uh, Kaz has developed this character. Yeah. We've tried to get neckbeard on the show in, <laughs> in, it's in hard the past. He's hard to tie down. He's hard to yeah. book. Yeah, but yeah. Uh, you know, people neckbeard about military watches, and and they t- and you know, y- invariably people get to NSN numbers and yeah. uh, what's the British version of the NSN? Is that the G ten? It-
2: uh, yeah, so um, the NSN or, or the issued watch, um, the starting of it is actually W10. Um, W10, so, yeah.
1: excuse me. It's, so yeah,
2: so, so, so G10 is the colloquial term. We call them G10s because yeah. um, I don't know what your, so we call it a flick. So you know the piece of paper or the digital piece of paper that tells the military what pieces of military equipment that you have issued to yeah, you that yeah. you then have to give back so we call that a flick that's what's nicknamed um but the actual piece of paper the form is called a g1098 so that is that form mm-hmm. it, there's a g1098 for dan clayton somewhere in the in in the world of the internet uh, or the military internet uh, and that tells the storm what i'm entitled to have and what i already have and,
1: and um, in the u.s army we just call this a flipple
2: <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> we don't actually <laughs> not really that, that's the, okay. that's the oh, every, I would have known I'm like, that, okay, cool. a, a flipple uh,
1: is when a flipple is when you have something you're not supposed to have and they charge you for it yeah. or you uh, don't have <laughs> something you're supposed to have <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah, it's that, lost. that's yeah. the charging yeah. document you so
2: you acquired it right yeah, yeah exactly yeah.
1: so yeah. so yeah. to to get back on track the the idea that um, you know when anytime a military thread on watch you seek or whatever you know people talk about NSN numbers and yes. you know bottom line Bottom line, I don't care if it's special forces or it's uh, line infantry units or it's you know someone you know f- someone on the FOB. People in a deployed environment are wearing G-Shocks, uh, Sunto's, Garmin, and Iron Man. Yeah, and, you, you know exactly that. The reality is, if you want an authentic, no shit, this is what Joe is wearing or this is what the Navy SEAL is wearing. Go get a fucking sunto because that's yeah. what they're don't, wearing.
2: Don't get a luminox; they're definitely not wearing those. Or, right? <laughs> yeah.
0: <laughs> well, some, some wear
1: luminox, some but maybe.
2: But, but on average, it. it's
0: because their real lost is watch or real watch is yeah, lost. Yeah, it, yeah. It, it, it's a sunto. You, yeah.
1: you know, by and large, it's it,
2: definitely a sunto. So the sunto cores are the one, aren't they? The, that's the right that you see across the military.
1: And uh, Asunto and Core is not is not a watch that's sort of watch-fam friendly. Maybe in certain circles, but it, that's not a watch-you-seek watch. Asunto watch. no. Core is not a watch-you-seek watch. You seek watch.
2: You'll be surprised there is actually a, a, a what you seek forum just for the into a
1: and those are the those are the people that know Absolutely. what the fuck they're talking
2: about yeah of course, <laughs> yeah. Of course.
1: in any event then. we don't care about that we care about something different and and so it, it's but it's it's important for us to say that right I, I yeah I think it's important for us to at least acknowledge the idea that there's a there's two things happening here there's the thing that Joe uh, is wearing on on the same wrist that's got an M sixteen in it, uh versus the watch the horological neck beard is mm-hmm. wearing.
2: Yes, definitely. Cause I bet definitely. dollars
0: of donuts, you're probably not wearing your Explorer.
2: No when you're working. I don't wear my explorer yeah. when I go to work, definitely yeah, not. <laughs> yeah. Um, so marathon navigate maybe, maybe when I'm in maybe when I'm doing like a normal office day, but if I was out out in you know on a training exercise, you know, operations or in a steer environment, I definitely would not be wearing that. Right. Uh, um and it's not because it probably wouldn't be able to handle it. It's not that at all. It's just, you know, I'd rather not take it with me. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah, because uh, if you lose
0: it, that's there's some there's some heartache there.
2: Yeah, exactly that. You know, um I'd definitely rather take um something that's cheaper that's you know is just as robust but i'm not going to cry at having to replace it mm-hmm. because i've broken it or whatever
0: i worked uh, with um, a guy last year who brought five F- f91 w's to a training exercise baller yeah
2: you know what i mean like i, I, I remember listening to that episode you said he kept on handing them out to yeah. different people yeah, that's, like, yeah 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 just just a player um, right there but yeah no i mean if, if people want to go out and buy uh, an issued watch that is issued into, um, you know, if I'm going to go off my experience, guys, you know, mm-hmm. I'm not going to talk too much about the American military. I've only ever worked with you. Um, in the British army, if they want the, the genuine one that has an NSN number that is sat in a store in UK for general service, you have to go out and buy the Pulsar G10. Mm-hmm. And the reason for that actually um, is because, funny enough it's a because back in mid 2000s cwc lost the contract for um the g10 watch and that's what it was uh, basically um not because the watches were crap or whatever it was literally because the, again it came down to budgetary restraints and pulsar offered a watch at a cheaper budget uh, the other side of it is um right up until the early well let's say early to mid 2000s you're looking 2006 2007 really um the g10 watches still had tritium paint on the dial
1: which Pulse is Sergeant, dangerous
2: dangerous yeah exactly it's you know it's mild it, it, it's it's obviously a radioactive isotope and it's not good if you lick it you know you will It'll be in good, a world of world it <laughs> may, may taste good but you know that's definitely a way <laughs> to get out of, out of out of work um so it wasn't deemed as safe um, and effectively those watches that weren't issued, um, or had to be backloaded back into stores to be destroyed because tritium was deemed too dangerous. Sure. Uh, so they, not only did they change obviously the supply manufacturer from CWC to Pulsar in my experience, um, but also it was safer because they don't use tritium paint. You know, they use super luminova to mm-hmm. obviously have the, um, yeah. low light visibility on those watches, and, you know? And-
1: and you know, in the United States, there's a number of marathon watches that fit that yeah. same role, right? Marathon, sort of the the U.S. brand that fits that yeah. same role. So, uh, how about how about for folks that want a military watch that maybe doesn't have N.S.N. bona fides, but has that same, um, you, you know, so thinking in the three hundred to a thousand dollar range, okay. s- the same sort of authenticity without perhaps being per se authentic because there's a number of watches I think Andrew and I have a couple that we really like and, and have talked about but what about you?
2: Um, I've got two watches I've got two watches that obviously um, fall under that category. Um, we've obviously touched on them before. you've got the Sangin instruments um, which obviously has been developed by you know the military and influenced by the military. Uh, but if you want to go uh, but he at the moment he's only got one quartz watch uh, which is the K2. Uh, but if you want to go more quartz, you know, straight down the line, and you you know want to grab and go watch that has a connection to the military, I would look at Elliot Brown. Um, hmm. So not all of their watches are military grade and, and have an NSN number, as it were. There is one line that is military issue currently, and it has a uh, an a searchable NSN number, and that's the Holton Divers watch. So that is on issue. Um, however, their their watches are all built to the same standard um so if you look at the elliot brown canford watch they're about 300 pounds last i checked um 300 350 dependent on obviously you know if you get bracelet or if you get rubber or whatever that kind Mm -hmm. of stuff you know um but those are you know really good robust watches they got 200 meters you know water resistance they're shock proof they've got they've got like internal shock mountings on the movement as well Mm. and then you add in the fact that it's a quartz movement which is obviously robust to shock as well anyway Mm -hmm. by default being quartz and also the other side of it is it looks good you know what i mean like it it looks like a good watch right um but also like you know right down to their case design which is really clever they've got hex bolts for their uh instead of spring glass they got screwing bars. Oh, really?
3: So you're yeah. never
2: going to lose it. You know what I mean? Um, yeah. So there's that robustness there, and obviously because it, the Canford range isn't issued, as it were, you get loads of different colorways. You know, so you can buy a cream dial, you can buy a blue dial, you can buy buy a black dial with cream hands, or black dial with uh, you know white hands, or whatever. If you mm-hmm. want to have different accent colours, then you can. You know, so sure. I would look at them for, you know, military grade not necessarily the military issued version. Cause you know, like I said, you know, they have one watch, which is issued and then they have a whole complete other range that isn't issued. And also guys, I say guys for the ladies listening out there, they also have a, a ladies range.
3: You know yeah, what I
2: mean? Right. And it's all accessible. You know, you're looking about 350 bouts. Well, let's,
1: in. let's run through some watches. Maybe you can give us a, yeah. a, a simple thumbs up and thumbs down and, and you know, 15, 20 seconds of, of, uh, analysis. Um, <clears throat> Well, I, I've got a couple watches here, but we've got a couple of other watches too that that sort of meet that same standard. So, uh, H- Hamilton Khaki Mechanical. Uh,
2: personally, I I don't like them uh, because they, uh, especially that Pioneer one that reissue. Yeah, um, it's a nice watch, obviously. You know, it's a good watch for for the money. I personally don't like the stippled dial because it, it's not in keeping to the originals. Um, also, you can. Um, Buy an original Hamilton car, key, the 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 W tens, which obviously the pioneer mechanicals were based on, um, for less than retail of the new one. <laughs> that's <laughs> fair, First fair truth, enough. That's just fascinating. However, Hamilton as a whole, if you want a mechanical watch which has military. Providence, you know, loosely, because they were issued. They were issued, Mm -hmm. you know, to the American forces. They were issued to the British forces, all different guises, and they're solid watches. You know what I mean? Like, you buy a Hamilton for $350 a mechanical one, or, you know, the price, that price range, the last year lifetime.
0: Mm -hmm. Okay. Next, how about the uh, HK Ed 1963? Or or perhaps the The, the, Seagull 1963. The the Seagull 63. That's a chronograph. Uh, The the, the Uh, Chinese, Chinese Air Force.
2: I've not had any experience with them, so I'm not going to pass judgment. I've heard uh, that the seagull movement, dependent on grade, is can be a little bit difficult, if that's correct <laughs> to say. Finicky. Um, but <laughs> finicky, yeah. yeah, it's, yeah I, I've heard some of their earlier models had quality control issues, but I can't comment, really, because I've never experienced it.
1: Okay, uh, Seiko SNK-809.
2: So the Seiko 5s, yeah? Yes. Uh, I think mean, they're brilliant. You know what I mean? We talked about the, the the Mac V Sog watches earlier. Mm-hmm. Those Seiko SNKs and that line of Seiko 5s are pretty much directly developed from the early sports market, Sportsmatic and Seiko 5 line from the 60s. Absolutely fantastic watch. And you know what? It's 80 quid. Last I checked on eBay, get yeah. a couple of straps in there on top, you know, spend 150 quid on a watch and some nicer straps to change it up fantastic
0: uh, what's the difference between a quid and a pound you, you said you use them it's okay. like bucks quid is like it's bucks like,
2: well, okay it's the same thing
0: all right so uh how about the uh Bulova hack automatic
2: is that the reissues of like the the yes yeah 11 yeah. yeah yes yeah so i've never seen any of the reissues other than the Moon Watch mm-hmm. reissue. Sure. So I'm not going to comment on the exact model, but I think for the heritage, in terms of obviously the fact that they did issue them, uh, and obviously they are clearly decent watches for the money now, I don't think you could go wrong. Uh, but in terms of the exact model, I've not had experience. Of.
1: Okay, one more, and this is one we've talked about a couple times recently, uh, and, and in fact, you and I have talked about this recently, so I kind of mm. know your answer, but the Serica, this is the Matt Horanek, uh yeah. Serica WM Brown watch.
2: Yeah, no, I think they're really cool. I think they're really cool. Um, what I like about them is that they haven't got their, um, man, their, their, their name on the dial. Right, I no think branding really, on that dial. No branding. I think that's really nice in the fact that it makes the owner impart their own story onto it, you know, and it's just a nice watch. It proves that you don't always have to have a brand to have a nice watch, right? Mm-hmm. Um, I like that there's different colorways, and I like that you can pick your handset. And also, you know, it, it, you know, if if, if Matt Heranik is involved with it, you know, we know that he wrote a man in his watch. We know he's big into the whole Hodinkee watch thing. Right. I don't think he's going to put his name to something that would be considered crap, mm-hmm. but you know, from, from my opinion anyway.
1: And you know what? Those watches are beautiful. I, I think that that's still my favorite watch of 2019. Maybe not my favorite, but it's up there in, in a small list. So uh,
2: I, I also have, like the fact that you can engage with Serica watches and they'll get back to you.
1: Totally. You
2: I know, I mean, and I think that's an important thing.
1: Okay, so one more question and then we're going to transition. Andrew, go.
0: What watch has eluded okay. you thus far that you've Ooh. been on the hunt for that you haven't been able to get? Maybe it's a Grail watch. Maybe it's a new Pursuit what is still out there that you are on the hunt for?
2: Okay. Uh, so there's a watch that I'm still yet to get that I'd love to have. And it's eluded me despite the fact that they are everywhere. Uh-oh. And, <laughs> uh, Amiga Speedmaster. Okay. It's really weird, isn't it? They're everywhere. But, everywhere.
3: Um, so you know what? I, I have one. Man. Yeah. So, <laughs> you
2: know what I mean? Like Just... Just everywhere, and I still haven't had the uh, opportunity, as it were, to, to pull the dribble. Huh.
1: Well, this is the sad time where we have to stop talking about watches, and for the, for the sake of our wives, talk about other things we like. Andrew, I know you have some stuff, because I have had the, the had pleasure of, of
0: tasting your stuff. <laughs> yeah. Go. So, in the last couple of weeks, I came... Well, I mean, i purchased... A sausage stuffer and I've had a grinder for a very long time and I grind meat with great regularity but I finally went ahead and decided to try making sausages uh, which turned out to be a little bit harder than just making ground meat um, and I mean I don't know I so I mean there's made, the whole
1: making the sausage
0: thing yeah no I now have, not only have I seen how sausage is made but I have a peanut butter jar of salt water in the back of my fridge filled with sausage casings that every time my wife opens the fridge she Hates. I can hear like a little, <laughs> a, like a little, just a little dry heavy wretch every time she looks into the back of the fridge, uh, because if, for just Google uh, what an MP sausage casing looks like, and you'll understand. I have one of those. It looks the, like a condom. No, it doesn't. It it looks like uh, it looks like uh, well shit, it looks like intestines in a jar. <laughs> gross <laughs> so that's what's in the back of my fridge now so anyway i made two varieties of sausage i made an andouille which i spell a-n-d-o-o-i-e yes because that's that's how it sounds like it ought to be spelled andouille and then i made so a, just a, a traditional pork andouille and you, then I you made write a, that on the package andouille yeah okay yeah no i mean i know because i have how I else have am some. i supposed to pick it out of my <laughs> freezer uh and then i also made a jalapeno and pepper jack beef sausage yeah that's that delicious. i smoked uh and so i learned a couple things number one uh first and foremost is stuff the sausage uh casing way more than you think you need to get that get it in there and when people say make sure the meat is like neck almost frozen before you start stuffing it they're not kidding it got so hard once it reached like like a like gelatinous there's
1: some critical mass that you need to reach.
0: it's got to stay nice and cold the whole time but so so make sure it's nice and cold stuff it tighter than you think but we talked a little bit about this earlier. The flavors were pretty close for the first time making sausage. Yeah, f- totally. Uh, the andouille, I want spicier. You said you wanted more fat content. Which I, I want, want
1: more fat. I want more fat. Give me the, give me that fat.
0: Which I got I to gotta have some more of it to see. Because all I did was pull off a little patty and cook the patty. And yeah. I dug it. I, though I do see, thinking back on it, I see a little bit more fat content. But with the beef, I overdid the fat, I feel like. I think I got a little bit too fatty. And it's got just like a touch, like a millety... Consistency, I, and I
1: don't mind that. W- w- with regards to your uh, andouille, I-, I cooked them in sausages, right? So, so the the jalapeno jack, the sausage came cooked. Mm-hmm. The andouille was not right, was not cooked. And so, I'm, I'm glad we didn't
0: get that the other way around. Otherwise, I would have given your whole family salmonella. I know we've got we've all died of botulism.
3: Yeah, well, no, no, not botulism, or, just salmonella. We're good to uh
1: You know my my experience was that I cooked it. I sort of steamed it. Okay, um, and then. And then ate them from from the sausage link. Uh, I think if I had sliced and fried it, I think that might have been uh, a, a more a more smooth transition. But the way I cooked it, it it wound up being just. A, I wanted just a touch more fat.
0: Okay, good yeah. to know for the next round next weekend i'll be making some more sausages so uh, if you have if you have sausage making tips if you're if you're into the sausage or recipes because uh, i'm looking for some good recipes because we're also going to make pepperoni sticks here pepperoni so. sticks yeah that's right yeah. so hit
1: andrew up because he's the he's the man with the meat mm-hmm. uh hit him up and uh we'll give those give those a try and and, and perhaps we'll do like a tasting on the on the air oh we could do that that, that would be sounds delightful. awesome
3: delightful.
1: Yeah. dan I understand yep. you came with another thing today. At least another thing.
2: Yeah, I did. I've got, I'm, I'm actually going to mix up very quickly, but it's still only going to be two. Okay, So I'm going to keep one of the originals, and then I'm going to uh, change uh, one for a, su- a different submission. So the we, we call one, this
1: an audible. Mm-hmm. The, in the States, uh, okay. this is an audible.
2: Cool. So the first one, then, is the Fighter Pilot Podcast. Oh. So that's something that I was going to bring into, uh, well you know, raise awareness of. So obviously your audience listening to podcasts, because otherwise we wouldn't be having a conversation like we are now. Mm-hmm, um, sure. But um if you're into loosely some of the stuff that we've touched on in today's episode, we talk about the military and all that kind of stuff. Um give the Fighter Pilot podcast a listen to because what it is is it's interviews with guys across various different militaries, predominantly militaries. Um, but all have different insights into various aircraft so they either operate the aircraft and their pilots their aircrew or they design them and all that kind of stuff and that's just a really interesting again conversational podcast but it's about a really cool topic so they for example they do episodes where they specifically you know look at a particular kind of aircraft and they take it from its inception right Mm -hmm. through to what it's doing now all all through guys who work and live and breathe it and i just think it's a fantastic podcast and especially if you're into aviation or you're into right. the military right or you just want to learn something new it's just a really good podcast to get involved with. uh number two um slightly watch related can we go watch related we okay. can of course uh, man. it's allowed here
1: it of course yeah.
2: so um we touched on obviously the, the whole development piece uh, obviously obviously earlier in the conversation um it's all very well me suggesting watches in the military but if you you know um buy a decent military watch you also have to have a decent military strap right
3: Oh yeah. so
2: you know um i would say go hit up zulu alpha straps for your military um watch straps and, um, and tell us and why can, okay so it's a unique design uh the way that the um the strap um fastens um which means that you will always get the perfect fit to your own wrist so there's none of this whole messing around with pin uh pin holes and pin and buckles and all that kind of stuff Uh, it's almost like on a roller pin kind of friction based thing so you will always get the ideal fit for what you need also the um straps have been developed by uh guys who have the whole outdoors active kind of lifestyle and they've been tested properly um, for that kind of stuff. Um, and also, they come in set sizes. You've got twenty mil, you've got twenty two different colorways. Uh, and they're, you know, Darren, who runs it, um, is very approachable. He's also a watch guy, and he's happy to obviously um, help out where he can with guys if they've got, you know, for example, a requirement to have a, a certain length of a strap, as an example. So say, uh, I don't know, you want to wear it over a dive suit. Which is actually, you know, pretty common. Apparently, he can yeah. make you an extra long one. You know what I mean? So stuff like that. So
1: fantastic. Uh, you you know, I, I've got another thing today, but uh, like uh, like Dan, I'm gonna have to uh, do a little caveat because this is uh, ancillary to watches. Uh, I actually uh, let me start by saying I feel a little underqualified to uh, talk about this, uh, but it, it's a thing I wanted to talk about anyway. And so this is the end of the episode. And if you're um, if you 're at all reticent to hear uh talk about women wa- collecting watches or um even perhaps some slightly progressive leanings uh feel free to turn the episode off now and we 'll see you next week with well, that bye. said <laughs> yeah good <laughs> with that said uh Hodinkee is uh obviously a famous website. Hodinkee does a series called Talking watches in which they interview celebrities about their uh watch collections david robinson jack nicholson, uh jack nicholas as mm-hmm. opposed to nicholson uh and a number of other celebrities uh john mayer is i think probably my favorite he's been on talking watches two times I want ellen on there uh i do want ellen on there too so uh talking watches had their first ever woman uh woman focused um episode this last week and uh, they interviewed Bethany Frankel. Bethany Frankel is a entrepreneur as well as one of the uh, regulars on one of the talking or not talking watches, one of the Real Housewives um, series, uh, something I don't have any familiarity with. And uh, so Hodinki had their first woman. It was Bethany Frankel. And um, there's been some there's been some hubbub. I believe it, there's been some hubbub. Um, and I, I think that we all, I think that we all need to um, sort of, as we as we think about the collection that we have and as we think about the collection that other people have, and as we think about what we're doing here, what are we doing here? I think we all need to be sort of thoughtful, and we need to sort of sit back and And look at this thing. The reason this came up is because when I watched this thing, I had some feelings, um and they're feelings I'm not super proud of. uh, because I listened to Ten and Two's latest podcast, in which they talked about this thing. And ten and two, Cat and Catlin, uh, a couple of watch people that we are very fond of. Um, mm-hmm. people we have a relationship with uh who run as i've said before i think maybe one of the best my favorite watch podcast right now is 10 and 2 um and and they had some perspective on this as you uh, imagine they may being women Shocker. i suspect they're both women and it 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 <laughs> sort of it sort of took me down a peg um and and i don't mean to say that uh i don't mean to say that i didn't like Bethany Franco's interview or I didn't like the episode, but I had some gut reactions and I want to check myself and, and I want and I want to take an opportunity to tell you to check yourself too. the the comments on the Hodinkee uh, video on YouTube are are pretty are pretty toxic. Uh, I, I feel fair saying that, um, you, you know, I think that there's a lot of a lot of things and I don't need, we don't need to label it sexism because it, it, it probably is some of that, uh, but it doesn't need a label. I think that we all need to take a step back and think about w- what's happening here. You know, David Robinson is uh, a, a rich person who has rich person watches. And, um, and I'm, and, and I'm interested to hear about what he says, you know, Bethany Frankel, liker or, or dislike her, a watch person who has watches and tastes. And, and that is interesting. And, and, to the extent that uh, you're going to have criticisms of any person, I want to, for myself, be more mindful, um, not just in this realm, but just in life, because mm-hmm. it, it, it occurred to me that something was happening to me as I watched that video that I need to fix. Uh, maybe not fix, but I need be to be aware of, mind, be aware of right? Um, the comments uh, about the way she got some of her watches. Oh, she got that from a dude. Uh, or the way she enjoyed some of her watches oh this is just jewelry to her or um the way she chose which watch she might wear for the day you know oh she picks a quartz watch because it's easy
0: i do that shit all the time
1: all of those things are true for me except for having gotten watches from ex-boyfriends none of my ex-boyfriends gave me any watches (laughs) no not yet um there's still time so, you know, I I I don't wanna I I'm soapboxing a little bit. I don't want to go over the top with the soapboxing. With with that said, I want us to all sort of step back on this thing. If you've had opinions, uh, I don't think there's anything wrong with that, right? We all have feelings, we all have opinions. I want you to think about it. For me, I can relate to these things. Uh and I wanna be and I wanna be open and honest about that. Most of my watches are jewelry. They all are. They're jewelry, right? There's a couple watches I have that are not and that I don't wear like jewelry, but by and large. Most of my watches are jewelry. Most of the time when I put a watch on the morning, I don't set that watch until about 9, 30, 10 when I realize I haven't set
0: it. Or you've missed your first meeting.
1: <clears throat> yeah, that's right. So, so let's, be, let's be fair. Let's be equitable. And also, let's, be, let, let's, let's do a good job in being better than we are. Let's yeah. all work to be better than we are. Uh, because I hope... I hope that Talking Watches finds another. You know, I don't know how many of these they do a year, maybe ten or twelve. I hope that four or five or six of those this next year are women, and, and I, I think that probably there's not uh, there's not quite the same pool of of material there. But um, I would love I would love to get more and more and more and more of that perspective, and and I want us to all do a better job about um, not having these yucky gut reactions to that kind of thing. Ditto. Boom, Dan. Thank you so much for joining us. This has been awesome. I really, really, really enjoy having you. Your uh, the breadth of your knowledge we cannot even get close to covering in an hour and eighteen <laughs> minutes uh, as we sit right now. I think that um, I think that you're a, just a really enjoyable guest, and I'm really appreciative you're here. Can you do me a favor and just tell people how to find you and how to find some of your knowledge? Um, you know, take twenty seconds
2: okay well firstly thank you for letting me come on and, ha- and chatting with you guys today as well you know i've really enjoyed it and uh i hope hopefully you can uh, come on again or you know chat again in the future as we have done today yeah we'll see uh, but if <laughs> if uh <laughs> if anyone uh wants to you know obviously follow me uh on, on instagram it's obviously timely underscore moments um give me a follow hit me up on there any questions that you want to talk about, my you know, um, about what we've spoken today, or if there's any further fallout on my collection or you know, hints and tips, just drop me a message and I'm you know, I'll do my best to get back to you. I will caveat it, even though you guys you know, class me and say that I'm an expert in military stuff, it's only my opinion, it's only from my own research. So, you know, I'm also fallible. Um, and also, you know, if I've got something wrong today, or you know, want to you know, give me some advice. Guys, you know, just send it through because at the end of the day, we're all learning, aren't
0: we? You know what I mean? We're on 40 and 20 where mistakes are free. Oh,
2: cool. (laughs)
3: They'll just send it right to us. (laughs) (laughs) All
0: right. Well, Andrew, you got anything else before we wrap
1: up today? I don't. All right. Well, thank you, Dan, for joining us. And thank you at home for joining us today for this episode of 40 and 20. Uh, Check us out on Instagram at 40and20. Also, check out Dan at timely underscore moments. Check us out on patreon.com/slash 40 and 20. If you have any inclination to support the show, it's free to go to that link mm-hmm. and less free to support our show. But that is how we get all the support for our hosting um and and the various things that we need to pay for to produce this, uh to produce this free podcast. Don't forget to tune back in next Thursday for another hour of watches, food, drinks, life, and other things we like.
0: Bye-bye.